What is up, Internet? Welcome to Self-Defense from All Angles, the podcast where we try to expand the conversation around self-defense. As you will see today, where we have a very special guest on the show, this is my daughter, Jasmine. I, as always, am your host, Randy King, owner of 8020 Conflict Management Strategies. And this week, we are going to answer questions that Jasmine sourced from her friends. So we thought it would be super beneficial to ask people in Jasmine's age range self-defense questions they might want answered. So Jasmine, you assembled a ton of questions. We have six, I think a ton's probably an <laughs> overstatement. We have six questions. Jasmine will ask me, I will answer. That will be your episode for this. And this is going to be the finale of season one. So thank you so much for listening to all of the episodes. Don't forget to share them. Tell us your favorite episodes. We're really trying to expand this program. And as always, before we get going, don't forget, if you're looking for any kind of conflict management or workplace violence training, get a hold of me, Randy King at 8020 Conflict Management Strategies. We do workshops, courses, and keynote speeches on all things proactive self-protection. Let's get into the show. All right, so Jasmine has five questions she is going to ask me that she sourced from her friends. And then we have one bonus question. Of course, we're going to add on Patreon, patreon.com slash Randy King Live. $5 level where you can get bonus access to everything, including all the old podcasts. So Jasmine, why don't you ask me the first question? So what is the percentage of victims who have self-defense training versus those who have no training? Okay, that's a hard question to answer, actually. So when it comes to statistics, this is one of the biggest issues is when a statistic can involve shame, it's hard to get an accurate number from people. So if I took self-defense classes my entire life and I got attacked and nobody told and nobody saw it, would I report it if surveyed? Probably not. Probably yeah. not, right? Because I'm going to feel shame. So yeah. we do this. We're actually doing a TikTok on this, which will be out way back there. So we want to check our TikTok out at Defense Talks with Dad. Yep. This is a crossover episode. So we're making big faces for the audio. Oh, oh. so um, when we come to statistics where embarrassment or shame kicks in, it's going to be very difficult to get a, a solid number. And that's where stats are always kind of a problem because number one, somebody has to be willing to take the survey, answer honestly on the survey, and then uh, give those survey answers in, right? So while stats are important to build information where well, they're good to build classes it's very hard to get very accurate representation like so for example we talk about cases of uh, male sexual assault shame is a factor so it's very hard to get a full check on that when it comes to uh a, an orgasm happening during sexual assault like we're gonna talk about on tiktok that's very common, but would people admit that? No, because shame is there. So I don't have an answer. That's a lot of words for, oh, I don't know. That's a lot of words for, I don't have an answer for this question. It's a very good question. I think that more people need to look at that. But when it comes to self-defense training, also not all self-defense training is equal, right? So like, did they take Kung Fu? No offense to Kung Fu, but you're not that great on the streets. Did they take like Tai Chi and get attacked? Like, it's very hard to classify that because self-defense by itself is such a squishy word, right? Self-defense just me, it's a legal term. So we're actually kind of saying self-protection more now because it involves not a defensive mindset. So answer to question one is stats are really hard to uh, incorporate. If a lot of these are statistic questions, we're going to have kind of the same response. So uh, uh, listeners, if you know this, maybe throw it in the comments below. That'd be great. Okay. Question number two. <laughs> 
Are there any things that people my age should pay attention to in specific when trying to tell if someone's a predator or not? Absolutely. So the number one thing I would say people in the magic demographic and for the listeners, magic demographic, you remember what it is? No. <laughs> ages 14 to 25. So ages 14 to 25 is statistically where most violence is going to happen. Obviously, there's violence that happened before that. Obviously, there's violence that happens after that. But statistically, you're most likely to run into bad situations from 14 to 25 because you're hanging out with 14 to 25-year-olds, right? And everybody's doing crazy stuff. So I would say um, if we're looking at women and, and men, but men in a smaller percentage, at least that we know of, because again, stats are unreliable, age gap and being told you're mature is definitely one of the things you want to look for in uh, predator, predatory situations, like the Dane Cook situation, right? Dane Cook is a comedian. If nobody knows who he is, he fell in love just on the minute that lady turned 18, conveniently. And then he proposed to her 23. He's 50. It's a 27 year age gap longer than she has been alive is the age gap, which is a red flag. But this is one of the things that people do. And I want everyone to understand, especially the young people out there. I'm not taking a shot at you. I was the dumbest of dumb young people. I'm not, my whole career is built off of mistakes. So um, Jasmine's heard more <laughs> stories than she should. And we have a standing deal when she turns 21. I'll tell her any story she wants to hear. So when we're looking at um, these kind of violent situations, the brain doesn't finish forming until about 23 years old for women on average and 25 years old for men on average. That's where your frontal cortex, the part that makes you human, math, science, uh, reasoning, delay of, um, delay of pleasure, all that kind of stuff that makes you human, finishes developing. So if anybody above that age is trying to tell you you have reached that milestone ahead of time, that's a huge red flag for me because that person who has a fully formed brain is manipulating somebody who doesn't have a fully formed brain, which is uncomfortable, right? So, and I'm not saying you're unintelligent. I'm not saying that because you're young, you are dumb, but young people on average are dumb. Um, you're you're going to have riskier behavior because you haven't finished, your brain hasn't finished cooking yet. So that's one of the biggest red flags on the, on the women's side, but also on the male side, right? Because there's relationships come in all flavors, right? So and predators exist. There is no group where predation doesn't exist. So number one, saying you're older or more mature, that's going to be some manipulation. One of the rules we always said, this is when we were younger too. If you were, so the legal drinking age in Canada is in Alberta, where we are, is 18. If there was a guy who was able to go to the bar, who was dating a woman that couldn't go to the bar, like why, why would you do that? Right? Unless it was long-term relationship, but really it was so they could cheat and not get caught, right? So really pay attention. Um, for young men, you're going to want to, so some of the things you should know in your age demographic is, your, don't listen to all of your friends. And just honestly, like as dumb as it sounds, if all your friends are good, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? Maybe pay attention to that. Of course, if one of your friends is the next Bill Gates, Stephen Hawking, he jumps off a bridge, maybe do the math, you could jump off the bridge. I don't know. But what I'm trying to say is that you're going to, because your hormones are still kicking in, because your brain hasn't fully cooked, because you are in a space where ego is important. And I, I can speak a lot more to this because I was a young man once. I've never been a young woman. So when I was a young man, and I can really speak to the things that I did were to impress people that I no longer talk to. So there was no need to do that. So uh, pay attention to people who are trying to put you into a place that make you seem more special. I think the last thing you want to pay attention, especially when it comes to human trafficking, 
is if the person is trying to separate you from your family or trying to separate you from your, your community, because not everybody has a great family, but if we all usually have families by choice, and if you have a strong family by choice or a strong family by birth, if somebody's trying to separate you from them, that's like predator move number one. Remove the support structure so that I can manipulate this person. There's been so many people. There was a young woman human trafficked here in Edmonton, and she was taken across the border. Remember, we were going over that the Amber Alert, how crazy it was that they got so far away. It was insane. He told her that she was special and he was going to make her rich and all these, these things. And I know if you are above a certain age, that sounds ridiculous. But when you're young, and, and again, you're not that you're, it's, you're naive, not because you're dumb, but you're naive because you didn't have a chance to learn more things. You can only know so many things at 14. You can only know so many things at 20. You can only know so many things at 41. There are people that know way more than I know. If you're in that space and your life is terrible and somebody's giving you an out, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Make sense? Yep. Next question. Hey, what are some of the best ways to deal with catcalling? Oh. <laughs> Number one, I can't believe catcalling is a little thing. It's ridiculous to me. It's the fact that people are still calling out at people. Although I guess there could be virtual catcalls, yeah. right? People online doing stuff. Does that yeah. stuff happen? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. People saying like weird stuff yeah. on videos. Yeah, it yeah. could. They could. I'm sure yeah. they do. So when the cackling happens, it's because self-defense is deeply personal and I don't know the resources you have. I don't know what you're capable of. I don't know what your background is. Uh, it's very hard for me to give blanket advice. And that's one of the red flags you should look out for in self-defense in general is blanket advice, right? Like, oh, you should do this, right? So if I tell you how to deal with something, how I would deal with it, not that anybody's catcalling me, but if you deal with it how I would deal with it, then you would also have to become a 202 many pound Canadian who's been fighting his whole life, right? So every context is king and every situation is going to be subjective. Every situation is going to have different um, parameters around it. If it's one time, I would argue ignore it because a cat call doesn't hurt like physically. It might hurt emotionally, it might get frustrating. But if it's one time, you could probably walk away. Now, if it's consistent cat calling, so you're walking by people all the time, you may need to deal with this. This is how self-defense works, right? There's lots of times you can walk away and there's lots of times you just can't walk away because stuff is happening. If that is happening, you're gonna have to decide what to do. Now, if you can live with it, I would say living with it is the easiest solution for you. It's the least amount of friction on your life. It's the least amount of potential backlash. People who are catcalling usually fall under the social side of violence. We have two sides of violence. We have social violence and asocial violence, right? Or predatory violence. Social violence is ego. It's driven by uh, perceived threat. And then we have predatory violence, which is for secondary gain. It's to do something to gain money, property, body, life is the three that we talk about. So in the aspect of catcalling, that's a social event because they're doing it in public. So if you publicly shame that person, Odds are not a hundred percent odds are good. You'll probably end it. They'll probably, be like, Oh, why are you being such a whatever, blah, 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 blah. But you're going to have to feel the vibe that's happening. If you go up there and the person's like creepy and sketchy and you're like, maybe I shouldn't call this person on because they know where I live because it's happening all the time. I'm walking on a route that I'm always walking on. Cat calling is happening. You might need to figure that out. So no blanket statement, but I would say number one, if you can ignore it, ignore it. If you can't ignore it, that's your call then bring it up, say something, embarrass them, publicly shame them with the caveat that not high percentage, but small percentage, there might be some kind of retaliation and be prepared for that potentially. Okay. 
What should someone do if they're being followed in a public area? And what if it's in more of a private area, like an alleyway without people or something? So this is a great question. And this again goes our social social thing or social versus predatory thing. In a social situation, in social being, there's people around. If you're in a public environment, a public space, and somebody's following you, uh, number one, make sure they're following you. So change direction, cross, right? Do thing, do weirdness that people wouldn't do normally if they're following you in that manner, then you're going to identify they're doing it. Because while you should trust your instincts, not everybody is potentially following you, but they could be. So first, make sure they're following you otherwise, or just play spy games all the time. Super cool training. If you're in a public place um, and they're following you, do not go to a private place because unless they want to publicly talk to you, so they want to harass you or they want to maybe ask you out or whatever, you're always going to be safer in numbers, even with strangers. Now, there's something called the bystander effect, which is if people assume lots of people are there, less people will, will help. The bystander effect kind of falls apart when people are in danger or when people are in a fight. So if you're in a public space, stay in a public space. Don't go to the parking garage or whatever until that person's gone. Or if you can alert any kind of authority, security, police, um, a lot of people. So a lot of men would want to say, come talk to a man, but usually we're kind of the issue. So a good one you could talk to is a mom. If you see a mom with kids, go talk to that mom because the mom will usually know what to do. And it's not a dude you're talking to. Unfortunately, I wish like, if you see me, come talk to me, but I can't tell you that every human being is going to help you. Right. Um, you're probably going to have a better choice. If there's a mom with multiple kids, they know how to protect people. So they're going to, you know, get you to that thing. But I would make sure that you uh, can get resources. If you cannot get resources, draw attention to it. Draw as much eyes to you as possible. This is the number one thing, especially if the person's looking for predatory violence. Predators don't want witnesses. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to get caught. So witnesses make that bad. The more eyes I draw the situation, the safer I'm going to be because there's more people potentially watching. And there are good dudes out there. There are people that will jump in and protect. You just don't know who they are just by looking at them because there's lots of pretty face con artists that do stuff. If you're in private, it's ex do the things I said uh, with social, but you need to first get to a place that's social. So if you're in a private place, again, the more, when you look at predatory violence, there's a risk reward equation. So when I say risk reward, I mean, is the reward worth the risk of what I'm doing? So if I'm a predator that likes to sexually assault women, Am I going to sexually assault a woman with like three guns on her with her dog walking with five friends? Probably not because the risk is too high, right? If the person is in their headphones, hood on, not paying attention, then the risk becomes much lower for the reward that I'm going to get. Now, one of the biggest fallacies that exists in self-defense is that you can lower the risk. You can lower the reward so low that they won't attack which is a very common side effect of sexual assault. So for example, sexual assault, sometimes the response to being sexually assaulted is to gain a bunch of weight because then the thought process, if I'm so unattractive, then people won't attack. This only happens sometimes. There's lots of responses, not everybody. This does happen though. So in that response, the thought process, if I'm so unattractive, then they won't attack me. But most sexual assault is not about attractable power. It's about dominance. So it doesn't matter how you look, it's about the act and who, why they're doing it, not really who they're doing it to. So you can't lower the reward so low that they'll ignore you. Homeless people rob homeless people. More stuff is more stuff, right? All you can do is raise the risk factor 
of them doing what they're going to do. So some of the best ways to raise that is get more eyes on you, create good witnesses, go to a public space, draw people in uniforms, those kinds of things. If that's not working, you can use uh, stronger body language. So if let's say your headphones are in and you're, you know, you're, cause I don't expect everybody to walk around like RoboCop from the movies. Like, that's not what I expect. But if you notice somebody's following you, maybe start paying attention. Like, oh, am I, should I be paying more attention? Should I be looking around? The more you pay attention to your environment, the more you're situationally aware, again, we're doing situational awareness stuff today, which is like weeks away from when you're hearing this. On our TikTok, jump over to Fence Talks with Dad. We have tips and games. And my YouTube channel also has them, not this channel, my old one. The more aware you look, the higher risk you give to the person who's looking for you, right? So again, if you're in your headphone, you're having a bad day, you're trying to be small, that's exactly what a predator is looking for, right? Being small will stop awkward conversations. Ideally, dudes will still talk to you in the gym with your earphones in. But there, it will avoid a lot of social stuff. But the things that stop social encounters escalate predatory encounters and vice versa. So if you're by yourself, if you're alone um, and you're walking to bad place, which will happen, right? Just because you are a smaller human doesn't mean you can't go out at dark, right? If you are in that space, uh, if you can't avoid it because maybe you're, you know, you work late or whatever your life involves, then make sure you, you know, put somebody on the phone on a speaker, try to draw as much as possible, get to lights, find a 24 hour place, just get moving. And one of the biggest keys is I want you to go towards safety, not away from danger. Now, I know that sounds the same, but they're different things. So what I mean by that is if you are in a bad place, don't just run, run to somewhere. Like where is your destination? What is the goal of the escape? So this final question involves more physical skills. Final question, except for the yeah, Patreon question. Patreon. Of course, we saved the best one for Patreon. Give us five bucks. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> um, so what are some everyday objects that can be used as self-defense object, like weapons mm -hmm. in an emergency situation? So anything's a weapon, really. Like there's no way you can use your cell phone. I had a lady when I was bouncing, smashing her cell phone multiple times. I was holding her against the wall by her face because she was going crazy. And she was hitting me and I was like, ma'am, ma'am, please, ma'am, ma'am, please stop, ma'am. Um, so that hurt. There's anything you can use, anything that can amplify the mass of your hand or anything that can increase the leverage. So if I can grab a stick or whatever, um, there's different types of weapons out there. There are weapons of, there are weapons you bring. So like a knife or pepper spray or whatever. And there's weapons of opportunity. So weapon of opportunity is something I could grab. So even in this room, right? Like this mic stand is pretty heavy. Humans are weirdly resilient, but also crazily fragile. When you are hitting the people with whatever tool you grab, so whether it's a pen or a phone or whatever, you want to be hitting them in kind of softer targets. So throat, eyes, ear, back of head, groin, um, back of, sorry, back of neck, not back of head. Those kind of areas are going to help. Be aware, though, that when it comes to the legal aspect side of things, and this is where things are a little bit dicey, especially if you're Canadian, in Canada, anything used as a weapon is treated as a weapon. So even if it wasn't designed to be a weapon, if it's a weapon of opportunity, they'll still charge you if you use a weapon. So if I grab an ashtray, because it's a 1970 ashtrays exist, uh, and I smash you in the head with an ashtray, it can be used, it can be considered a, a weapon. It can be a solid weapon. Honestly, your imagination is the only thing limiting you with this is, is what I can use. Like people get pierced really easy. Paper can cut you. Paper cuts you. If paper can cut you. A pen can pierce you, right? A tire iron, your keys. Now, keys are kind of crappy because people teach them to put them in the hands. Don't do that. You hurt yourself. But if you can swing them and hit, oh, that's great. So if you have a lanyard or something to do damage, that's going to help. 
um, keeping your situation awareness up, keeping your environmental awareness up and just look for things in your house. So even right now, like look to your right, look to your left. Is there anything you can use as a weapon potentially right now? And how would you use that? And then where would you put those things? And again, as I mentioned, anything that makes it harder for somebody to function as a human is going to be best as a target. So we have to remember that self-protection isn't just about dominance. It's not just about winning. You don't need to beat the person. You need to escape, create distance, et cetera, especially if there's a disparity of force being that they are bigger, stronger, more aggressive, which is very common because self-protection is asymmetrical, right? I don't pick fights I'm going to lose. I pick fights I think I'm going to win. So when you are in a bad situation, expect they're going to be larger, stronger, more numbers, they have a weapon, et cetera. How do I equalize that? And then if I do, how do I then create distance? Because distance is going to be the safest thing that I can do. Okay, that's all I have. All right, so those are all the questions we have. Plus we have one more over on patreon.com slash Randy King Live. So what are some things that a person can do to become more comfortable setting boundaries, especially if they're in a situation where they are younger and addressing someone who may have more authority over them? And we'll walk that out. Jasmine, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Don't forget at the fence talks with dad. If you're looking for people to come talk to your company, I'm the guy, this is what we do, public speaking. We just came back from a huge tour in Europe. I just spoke in Prague at a giant conference. So feel free to follow us on social media, at Defense Talks with Dad on TikTok, at Randy King Live on Instagram. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Randy King. You can follow me on this YouTube channel. And please like, share, do all the internet things. Hit all the buttons, even dislike, I don't care. Get that attention up there. Put them all out there so we can get the message going. Jazz, thank you again. And we are going to jump over to Patreon. Thanks so much for listening and uh, get ready for season two. It's going to be super cool.